got Triple B's in the building. Big baller brand supports the NBA buzz and the inside buzz. We with you, man. Triple B style. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Inside Buzz. I'm your host, Mikey Domagala. For episode 31, a friend of the show returns. 11-year NBA veteran Costa Kufis is back for his second Inside Buzz interview. He just spent a season overseas in Greece and then playing for the TBT, the basketball tournament, for Carmen's crew, which was full of all Ohio State alumni. He spent his career with five different NBA teams and in 2012-13 had a career year, averaging 8 points per game, 7 rebounds per game, and 1.3 blocks per game for the 57-25 Denver Nuggets. He was a starter on that team and led them into the playoffs. He also had many productive years in Utah, Minnesota, Sacramento, and Memphis along the way. Costa, welcome back to episode 31 of Inside Buzz, almost a year later since our last chat. I'm trying to get you back into the league, man. You're a free agent and you really deserve it. So welcome back to the show and let's get talking about your career. Thank you for having me on, man. I miss you. Hope you're doing well. Hope your family's safe and safe and healthy and uh, I'm excited to get the show going. I definitely miss you too, as did NBA fans. And I remember last time you were on, I posted and you were getting love from some fans and then some fans were saying, well, Costa's out of the league because his game doesn't translate to the modern shooting NBA. Now, Costa, I see your training videos, I see you working on your handles, and your three-point shot. If an NBA GM was watching right now, what would you want to tell them you improved most on over the last couple years? Well, look, I, some of those fans, you know, I mean, fans are fans, they have their own opinions. Um, but if they actually understood the game and knew the game, they know that, you know, coming in the NBA, I was actually a shooter, three-point shooter and a scorer. And, uh, you know, when I was with Utah Jazz, I had to transform my game into more of a defensive-minded big and a rebounding big. But, you know, I still have that in all my repertoire. Um, you know, I can still shoot threes. I can still dribble. I can do all of that. You know, NBA is all about being the right place at the right time. And uh, you got to maximize wh whatever opportunity you have. And, you know, I can't complain right now for 11-year NBA career. Um, you know, I played in the playoffs, started a lot of games, had a lot of double-doubles. And, you know, granted, you know, it could have been better, but it could have been a lot worse as well. And you know, still still grinding, still chipping away every single day, still working on my craft. And, uh, you know, I'm still really healthy. I'm still young. Um, but, you know, right now, you know, that's how life is sometimes. You just got to continue to push forward. And not everything's going to go the way you want it to in life, but you just got to, you know, hit it head on and, you know, maximize and make the best of what you have in front of you. Of course, you said you're staying fresh. You last played in Greece, and then you played in the basketball tournament on Carmen's crew. Tell me about your offseason yeah. and the last time playing in the TBT. I mean, the TBT was fun. Um, I got to, you know, see a lot of the Ohio State guys um, because every, the team I was on, Carmen's crew, was the Ohio State-based team. And, uh, you know, going back to Columbus uh, for the last couple of weeks, you know, meeting up with the new coaching staff with Chris Holman. He's done a phenomenal job with the program. And, uh, you know, meeting older guys, you know, Michael Red was there as well. So I'm like Connelly a little bit, um, you know, Lighty and John Diebler and so forth. You know, there's a lot of good guys that, you know, I grew up and played with at a younger age. And, you know, seeing those guys again, you know, it was, it was really cool. Rekindled a lot of good memories. For sure. All those Ohio legends. And Costa, what is NBA free agency like? Like, be honest with me. Do you ever get discouraged? You're always in the gym. Maybe you don't get that call. And, you know... When you see other players getting signed elsewhere, do you sometimes think to yourself, damn it, that could be me or I'm better than those guys? For sure. That's human nature to respond like that. And it goes like that anywhere else in the workforce. So, uh, but, you know, you know, going through with it, you know, many years with, with free agency, um, you know, I, I'm very fortunate, you know, to sign the contracts I've signed and, 
you know, to, to play the games I've played. Um, but, you know, still you, you see it, but that's, that's, that's okay to have those feelings. That's, that's a true sign of being a competitor and you will still want the best possibly normal. But at the same time, though, as you get older, you know, you see some of the signings, you're like, okay, well, I got to put myself and keep the blinders on and not worry about so much of what's on the world and worry, focus on, you know, yourself, your health and, and your family. Well, Costa, you know I have a lot of NBA connections and I have a lot of NBA viewers. If there's any GM or any player out there, sign Costa to a contract. He'll provide much-needed rebounding in this league. And if, he's got a three-point shot that I want to see unlocked in the league. You know, you played, you played with Giannis on those Greece national teams. Back then, he was just that young, skinny kid, brand new to America, brand new to the NBA. Now he's two-time MVP, NBA champion since we last spoke. How proud are you of Giannis? And could you believe that skinny kid would become an all-time great this quick? Uh, you know, I knew he was going to be great. Um, but from the time frame he did it in, really, really surprised me. Um, you know, he was, you know, for the first year, I remember watching him the first year in the NBA. You know, he had a nice three-point shot. He was a good shooter. But, you know, from, from there to now, it's it's unreal what he's accomplished and you know what's crazy about it is you know he's still you know not even not even halfway in his life cycle in the nba which which is scary to think about so the only, only way is up for right now he's not even his nba prime so for him to win the you know the mvp awards and win a championship you know at a young age you know it's just it just shows how good of a player he, he is and you know he's going to be one of the best players of all time obviously and you know to come you know, from, you know, overseas and, you know, have, you know, the Greek heritage as well and his family, you know, it's definitely a true honor, you know, and it's, a, it's a blessing. And, uh, you know, for what he's done for his communities and for his family as well, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a, you know, a story that sh should be told. There'll be a lot of documentaries on Giannis, that's for sure. sure. And his, his humbleness and those Greek roots, what can you say about being around him? He just seems like he's always happy cracking jokes and just humble yeah you know, he's a good kid um you know i haven't spoken with him recently but you know he's uh you know he comes you know came from a, uh, a background where you know it was definitely tough growing up and uh for him to you know keep fighting through that and you know to accomplish what he's was accomplished you know not very many people could have done what he did and uh you know, he, you know, he had a, he had a great family, you know, his, his late father was a wonderful man. And, you know, you know, his mother was a, is a wonderful woman as well. And his brothers are great as well. So, I mean, you know, Thanasis and, you know, Alex and so forth, those, those guys, those guys, you know, they're, they're really talented in their own right. And uh, they're all unique and uh, which makes them, makes the family just, just spectacular. Something I got to bring up CJ McCollum, your high school yeah. teammate at Glen Oak high school. I mean, Costa, that iconic picture when he's looking like he's like four yeah. foot and you're looking like you're about 10 foot. I mean, tell me, <laughs> tell me about playing with CJ back then when he was just this five, two freshman. You know, I was very, very fortunate to have, you know, like people growing up, you know, like CJ and his older brother, Eric, um, you know, working out in high school and we always pushed each other and, you know, it doesn't, it, for me, with CJ, it doesn't surprise me what he's doing right now in the NBA. He's been doing this his whole life. Um, you know, granted, you know, he wasn't as tall in high school. You know, after he hit the growth spurt, you know, it's just it's just happened. You know, and, you know, what he's doing in the NBA, you know, in my opinion, obviously, you know, he should be a multi-year all-star right now. But he'll he'll get it this year. I'll be surprised if he doesn't. But, you know, for, for what he's accomplished now, too, you know, going to, you know, not a huge – 
huge college and, you know, getting drafted in Portland, dealing with some injury in the beginning. Uh, but I, I remember, though, when, when Memphis, when I was with Memphis, we played them in the playoffs in the first round. And, uh, you know, we we obviously we put we, we beat him pretty well uh, in Portland. But CJ just stuck out. You know, he had 20 points a game. And I felt like that was his, his uh, turning point after that playoff series and stuff. He just exploded from there. This past season, he was averaging something like 25 before that injury really brought him down almost all season. I mean, he really should be an all-star, but that loaded Western Conference, it makes it it makes it makes so hard. But the numbers are there. For sure, but you have guys that Bradley Beal was 30 a game, what was it, two seasons ago, never was an all-star. Yeah. So it's, you know, there's more, more to factor in than just, you know, the player itself. It's, you know... You know, I'm not saying it's 100% politics, but there's there's something there's something's got to give. And you know, if CJ doesn't make it all in this year and he's healthy, and he's averaging he's averaging the previous season, is there's got to be some red flags. <laughs> and as a five a five foot two freshman, excuse me, what do you remember from his game being that small? Like, what is did he have the same skill set? Yeah, he was always skilled. Um, you know, when he was my senior year, he was a soft sophomore. And uh, the stuff he was doing was unreal. He would, he would cross people up. I remember one game, it was a home game. It went in transition. He just threw the lob off the backboard to me, and I just jammed it in. And I was just like, wow. Like, this stuff is – this stuff is – he was ahead of time. The, his step backs, his sidesteps. And, uh, you know, you know, having them play in the same court, you know, it, it was great. I, I even learned a lot from him when I was playing with him. And, uh, but I think a huge help also, too, was Eric, his older brother. You know, if you actually start workouts with Eric, you know, he is just the Kobe mentality. We'll get in, you know, 7 and 8.30 in the morning and just go hard for an hour and a half. Then after we'll do strength and conditioning from, from 9 to 10 and after that. It's every day and it's, it's, it's actually held me out too and it's kept me fresh, it's kept me healthy. And, you know, it's, those, those brothers are very unique, the McCollum brothers. There's so many NBA brothers. Look at Michael Jordan. He credits his... I, I believe older brother for really elevating his game and really going one on one with him all the time. I'm sure CJ would say the same about Eric. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I wish I had a twin brother. <laughs> and then another thing about you and CJ, you guys met, of course, in the NBA. 2015, you put him on a poster, Costa. What was said after that? Oh, oh, in playoffs. I oh, uh, was in Portland, right? In Portland, it yep. was in Portland. I thought it was initially Nicholas Batum. Um, I feel like if I knew it was CJ, I would have just been like laid out. It, it was part of the game. I think after after the summertime, we, we worked out, and he's like, "Why, why would you do that, dude?" I thought I was gonna go up to him. I'm sorry, dude. I didn't, I didn't mean to. Uh, we were just joking around about it. Look, everybody gets dunked on. I mean, I get dunked on, and I dunk on a lot of people too. It's just it's just part of the game. I mean, CJ dunked on, but he's averaging thirty a game. He's an all star. He has the potential to be a Hall of Famer. So it's I mean, it is what it is. Everybody gets dunked on. The Memphis Grizzlies announced Zach Randolph and Tony Allen will have their jerseys retired. Those two, your former teammates, you were part of that grit and grind years for a little bit. Do you think Marcus Saul and Mike Conley are next? Uh, I absolutely next. Um, you know, they are the, they had a huge foundation for that for that organization. Um, I was definitely fortunate enough to be a part of that grit and grind era. Um, you know, learning from Zebo and Tony Allen. And then as well from Mark and Mike as well, too, you learn different things. You try to formulate, you know, to your own game. And 
you know, that grittiness from, you know, Tony Allen and the, the post-up ability from Zebo and the IQ level for and, and Mike Conley on the show, like you, you just, you just learn these things from different players and they, they were, they were ahead of time as well. Um, I feel like Mike Conley should have been a multi-year all-star, but again, just one of those things, I guess. I'm, I'm happy Conley got it last year, even though it was a little bit due to injuries, but it is what it is. Tony Allen, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of him. I love the grittiness. I love the on-ball defense. Gave Kobe problems, as Kobe admitted, so many other guys. His intensity, would he ever turn it off or was practice just as tight on defense? The same way. Um, he's just relentless. And, uh, you know, he, he, li- he liked uh, just being, being in people's grills and, you know, getting stops and making sure nobody scores on him. If somebody did score on him, we would take it to heart. And, you know, it's very unique because, you know, this newer generation is, uh, you know, it's, I feel like it's not as it was where, where Tony Allen was playing. And, you know, if somebody scores on me, then, okay, well, I'll let it go. Like, well, now it's like, you know, now it's different. You know, back then, you know, I remember during the game, even especially the playoffs, you know, he made sure he picked him up full court and never scored on him again. And, you know, that, that relentlessness of him and, and not getting tired and just making sure, you know, it's, it was more of a pride thing for him. So that's the reason why he was one of the best defenders in the NBA. And another former teammate of yours in Sacramento, Vince Carter. Now, Matt Barnes just recently spoke out that out of all his teammates, Shaq, Kobe, so many more, that VC was the most skilled he's ever been around. Now, you got Vince as a 40-year-old, but 40-year-old Vince was still dunking like crazy. Was he your most skilled teammate ever? And if no, who was it? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, look, I've played with a lot of great players, and uh, I think from from a standpoint of Vince, I think being, him being 40 years old when I was with him in Memphis in 42 or whatever it was in Sacramento, 41 in Sacramento, him to to be able to score like he did, to jump like he did at, at that age was unreal. And he was definitely not close to his prime, but he could score 20 points a game if he really wanted to give the opportunity at that age, which is which is unreal. I would put Vince definitely in the top 10, the most skilled player I played with. Um, you know, obviously he's a Hall of Famer. He revolutionized the game. And uh, he's definitely a generational type player. Um, I think for me, what stands out for me right now is Darren Williams in his prime. Um, this passing ability, his, his ability to get people shifting their feet defensively with his crossovers. And it, it, I've never witnessed anything like that from a point guard, um, especially when I was a rookie second year in the NBA with the Jazz and Darren Williams in his prime. You know, he just, it was unreal. It was a show every time he played and, and, I, and I loved it. It was great. Oh, I'm sure. And and you coming in as a kid in those practices, you're like, oh, my God, look at this guy crossing over and stuff. And those Utah teams, Costa, like, they were very good. Loaded teams, great starting five, nice bench. Why couldn't they really get deep into the playoffs or even a real title contender? Uh, well, you have great teams in the West, obviously. Uh, we can't make excuses, but, you know, Lakers, you have Kobe Bryant. That's when Andrew Bynum was playing. playing. Like, they, they were loaded. Um, and then that's when, you know, towards the end, you know, Steph Curry was coming to his own with Golden State, and I was with Denver at the time as well. So, and when I was with Denver, too, we were a really good team. Yeah, I played. Sure. Uh, it just was, you know, you know, those teams were, were getting into their own. While you know the Jazz were getting a little older, now they're now they're a great team as well. But it's just you know it's all about timing, in my opinion. So those teams were just getting stacked. It was very tough to get past the Lakers. Um, I remember when Utah it was my second year. We played the Lakers around, and 
you know, it just was tough. You know, it's very tough to guard Bynum in his prime and, and Pau Gasol in his prime. And th those two bigs in the front court, they're very, hard, they're very hard to guard. Touching on those Nuggets years, I remember, I remember that playoff series against Golden State, man. That seemed like that was Steph's real turning point. He was, he was kicking butt in the playoffs. I remember, I really clearly remember you and Iguodala trying to like lock up on defense, you in the paint, Iggy trying to guard the perimeter, and Steph and Clay were really becoming into their own that series. I think if I, if I remember correctly, I think David Lee, uh, who was an all-star, yeah. uh, he got injured. And uh, I think that's when, because we won the first game of the series, um, but I think the game two is when Steph Curry really started you know, ripping threes out and stay with Clay Thompson. It was it was really tough because they they transformed the whole game because they were more in and out with David Lee, where David Lee was out, and there was more, you know, three-point. Three the Sacramento Kings drafted Davian Mitchell this season and, of course, Tyrese Halliburton last season. Halliburton top three in Rookie of the Year voting. Costa, we touched on this last, last interview, too, where Sacramento was struggling. They're again struggling, but they have that young core still. What is it that they need to do to really get back in the playoffs for the first time in a while? Well, obviously, the most obvious answer is obviously win games. Um, but, you know, I think Halliburton's definitely going to be a there when he gets older. Um, I was very impressed by him in his first year. Um, he's got a very high IQ for, for a young player coming in the league. And that's very tough to find, especially for the first year. And it doesn't surprise me. Definitely in contention for rookie of the year. Definitely going to be very curious how he's going to do this year as opposed to last year. I'm sure he's going to play much better, and which is scary to think about because he had a phenomenal rookie year. Um, you know, they have a great group. Um, I like Darren. I'm a huge Darren Fox fan. Um, I played with him for several years as well. Just super fast. I mean, he reminded me of the speed of Ty Lawson in his prime, but he's also taller and a little bit bigger. And and uh, just for him, you know, he's, you know, a great kid. Um, you know, he's still young, but, you know, he's got to have all-star intangibles, which he's already shown last year. And, you know, for me, it's, you know, looking outside in, you know, they have a great foundation, as we said. Um, I think just right now, they just got to, you know, game by game and just, you know, try to win as much as possible, even though the team that they think they're going to beat, just got to beat them because every game is important for that kind of team. So I think, you know, like teams that I played on, you know, we could take a day off or so and, and not worry about it. But with Sacramento, you got to, you got to win every single game and like it's the last game. Um, obviously, again, it's easier said than done because it's 82, 82 games in the season and they, it gets, it takes a toll on the mind most importantly, but you know, they're, they're young, they, they can do it. And, I, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if they get an eighth, seventh spot playoff contention. A guy who's been in headlines, he's back with the Lakers this year, Rajon Rondo. You guys were together for that season in Sacramento. You averaged seven points per game and 19 minutes per game that year. That was your highest scoring year in a couple years. How did Rondo make it easier for you? Oh, he's probably one of the, the smartest players I've ever played with on the court. Um you know, he makes he makes the game much easier. If you buy in and feed and buy into what he's doing uh, and just just let let him take the reins a little bit, you know, it makes makes your job a lot easier as a big. Uh, I think we talked about last last podcast where, you know, I remember it was the Milwaukee Bucks and Greg Monroe was fronted me on the free throw line and Rondo threw it off the backboard right in my hand, wide open for a layup. And I was getting fronted by Greg Monroe off the free throw line. And I remember Rondo saying, that's an assist. Don't, don't mark that as a missed shot. And I'm looking at him. I was like, that was one of the easiest buckets I had in my life. Just threw it right off the backboard. I grabbed it and just put it right in. And he meant to pass it off the backboard on purpose to get to overshoot Greg Monroe. I was just, I couldn't believe it. 
So stuff like that will stick, will stick with me the rest of my life. Um, he just knows the game. He works hard. He's got a, one of the highest IQs in, in the NBA. And, um, you know, for, to have that and to be a young guy, well, obviously I was a young guy, but having young guys around, if they feed into that system that he has, they're going to make their life a lot easier. You know, they say sometimes the best players don't necessarily make the best head coaches. But Jason Kidd, one of the smartest guys ever, Dallas Mavericks head coach. When Rondo retires, do you see him, you know, being eligible with his mentality, his skill set, his knowledge to be a head coach? Well, I mean, I can't speak on his behalf on what he wants to do life after basketball. But in, in my opinion, I believe he'll be a phenomenal head coach. Um, he knows the games. He knows the game very well. He has he knows the X's and O's. And uh, and he's got a great, you know, uh, practice regimen as well. Like you see his routine on and off the court. It's just it's awesome. It's it's one of the best I've seen. And, to have you know all that formula, all that into into one player, you know, obviously it's definitely the great form, a formula for a head coach. In your 11-year NBA career, who's the toughest opponent you had to guard in the paint? In the paint, oh, I think uh, Dwight Howard at Orlando Magic was tough. Um, Amari Stoudemire in Phoenix was very tough. He was just his first explosion was was unreal. Um, I think I remember guarding Yao and Shaq as well. Um, Shaq wasn't in his prime, but I remember guarding him in Phoenix many times and in Boston as well. And I can't believe how I mean, it's a it's a big human being. I mean, I'm seven feet, he's seven feet, but he's also wider and he's got a lot more pounds on him than I do. And just to try to push him, it, it, it was tough. I mean, you probably just got to wrap your body and pray to God he you to the basket. Um, Yao Ming was different. He was obviously seven five or seven six, however tall he was, but. He was more finesse than Shaq, but, you know, guarding him, he had a strong foundation, but he had a lot of good mid-range tactics in the post, you know, good shimmies with, with, the, uh, with the shoulders, with the spin off of you. And, and if you got any five feet close to the basket, the shot was going to go in. So you just had to meet him early and, and try to push him out and try to get him tired and run him. And uh, you know, it worked occasionally, but when he got the ball in the post, it was very tough to stop him. Is there a time where you remember – being on an island, so to speak, off a switch or whatever, you got Steph in front of you, you got Kyrie. Do you ever remember being trying to guard a guard and him really crossing you up and really being like, oh no, what am I, what have I got myself into? Uh, uh, Lakers, Kobe Bryant, uh, <laughs> they'll switch on the screen and uh, there's like five seconds left on the shot clock. I'm like, I know he's not going to drive, but I know he's going to try to do a mid range. He's going to try to pump fake and he pumped fake three or four times got the shot off and I was, I was this close to getting, getting a tip of it on my finger. And obviously a switch went in and I was just like, man, unreal. So I think that's why, you know, obviously rest in peace to Kobe. Uh, he's definitely one of the best to ever do in the game. And obviously, you know, he's going to be the, one of the best of all time. So. Yep. Rest in peace, Kobe. And Kosa, who's your funniest teammate you've ever had? I've been, uh, I've had a lot of good teammates uh, with a lot of characters. Um, I think from my rookie year, Mehmet Kerr. I don't think the young guys that are watching this don't know who Mehmet Kerr is because a uh, different generation. But, you know, he was, you know, he's a European guy. He's always funny, quirky, just like smiling and, you know, have 40 in the game and be like, hey, brother, let's go out to eat and then, you know, shoot the shit. And it was, it was great. You know, he was probably one of the best vets I've had. And, very fortunate to have him, you know, have him take me under his wing. And it's just, just funny all the time. Just, just always positive vibes. And it was great to be around. Obviously, you know, human nature, you're going to have your bad days no matter what. We all do. But 
90% of the time, he was always just positive. Um, you know, Ed Davis was funny as well. He was more my age and just joking around on the court a little bit too. And, you know, he's had a hell of a career himself and definitely proud of him, what he's accomplished. And, you know, I would say, I would say probably Memo Kerr leads it for me. Another guy on those Utah teams I'm thinking of, this is, this isn't even on the list. I'm just thinking back, thinking, did that guy ever have a personality? AK-47, Andre Karolinko. Was, yeah. was he like a personable guy on the court? He just looked like a killer. Uh, yeah, he was. Um, you know, he, he was, you know, he was, he was 50, 50, a little bit more to himself, but you know, he was always really nice and extending and saying, hello, how are you to everybody? And, you know, from what I've saw, you know, he was always, you know, warm to me and very friendly. And I remember, uh, there was a steakhouse Fleming's right next down the street from, uh, <laughs> from the arena. It was my rookie year. It was like game three. And, you know, I'm 19 years old. I don't, you know, I, I respect my teammates, but I don't know if they want to hang out with me. And I, and I go in and I, I eat, I eat like with my shorts, my flip flops and my t-shirt and Fleming's my first time actually going to the steakhouse and I was hungry. So I was like, all right, whatever and I, I go. And I see Andre there and I'm like, hello, Andre, how are you? How are you doing, buddy? Like, oh, go outside my friend. How you doing? And I go sit in the corner and he looks at me and I'm like, oh shoot. Like, what, what is he looking at me for? Like, he's like, bro, what are you doing over there? Why don't you sit with me? Like, come on, like, come over here and sit with me. And he, he took care of dinner and everything. And I was like, wow. Because I was nervous. I was 19 years old, like AK-47. Like, I didn't I didn't know any better. You know, I'm still in my college years, college mindset. I'm going to flip-flops and the steak dinners. I mean, I'm surprised I'm surprised he let me in at the time. But <laughs> an opening moment for me. Like, all right, he's, he's a really good guy. You going to a new team in the NBA, is it almost like your first day at a new school? where it's like you're trying to kind of find somebody you're got, you got something in common with, somebody you know from the past on a different team? Or is it like, how do you gain those relationships? You know, NBA is, like, is a brotherhood. You, you build up relationships no matter what team you're on. Um, you know, a lot of guys work out together in the summertime, no matter, depending on what team you're on, they still all work out together. I think the first time when I got traded, you know, I was very nervous. Um, you know, I went to Utah to Minnesota. But I knew those guys from AAU, Mike, Mike Beasley and Kevin Love and, you know, those uh, Johnny Flynn and those guys. I, I knew all those guys. So it's not like it was really, really hard for me. So I was very lucky in that aspect. And then when I got traded from Minnesota to Denver, that's the time I was really, really nervous because, you know, I was a young kid. You know, you have Kmar, you have Nene, you know, you have all those guys that are older that have been in the playoffs. And, you know, I've never... You know, they, you know, they, they were, they were perceived as, you know, hard, a hardcore team at the time. So I, I didn't know what, what to expect. And, you know, after the first couple of practices, you know, I played really well, I played hard and aggressively. You earned the respect. And after that, it was just uh, streamlined. After that, and then after, ever since then, every trade, then it was just easier and easier and easier because every year you play in the NBA, you, you still build up more relationships on other with other guys on the team. Obviously, you're trying to win and trying to beat your opponent. But off the court, though, too, you still have more of, more of a brotherhood mentality, which is great. I saw on a recent NBA Buzz post comment section about Kevin Love. People were talking, oh, LeBron ruined his game after Minnesota, turned him into a spot-up shooter or whatever. Now, as you remember, Kevin Love in Minnesota was a beast on the boards, all around just menace. What do you think of how he was in Minnesota to how he was in Cleveland? He won in Cleveland, but he was different. Well, look, he was the main guy in Minnesota. Um, you know, he, I was there where he had 30 rebounds in a game. Like, he, he was obviously he's very good. He's very good now. And, he, you know, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's an all-star all-star player. Um, but, you know, obviously you have a guy like Lebr LeBron 
you know, who's the elite of the superstars, you know, he, you know, the, 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 the job description changes, you know, LeBron's the main guy. And uh, I'm, I'm not saying Kevin Love is a supporting cast. LeBron, you know, obviously Kevin Love is an all-star in his own right and a hell of a player. But LeBron is taking the main focus now. So you got to learn how to transform your game when you play with a generational player type player like LeBron. And I thought he did a phenomenal job. Um, he did what he needed to do. You know, he's not going to get 30 rebounds a game with LeBron on the court. It's just what it is. But he's still going to get 20 and 10, which is all-star numbers. And I thought he did a phenomenal job when he played for Cleveland. He got a ring and... I mean, there's not much more you can ask for from, from Kevin Love as, as a fan. I saw on your Instagram, at Costa Kufis, that you got the new Gen 3 Ford Raptor. And from following you for a while, I know you're big into cars. You got two Nissan GTRs. Uh, do you have any other cars beside those three? And how'd you really get into cars? So that Gen 3 Raptor is my, for my father-in-law. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I don't need two trucks. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Look, look, if you're, if you're going to buy cars make, make for, for watching, make sure you have, you know, other sources of income coming in before you buy a car because a car is a terrible investment. I'm, I'm, I'm not a financial advisor, but this is my opinion. So make sure, you know, you get your investments in check and make sure you have residual income coming at all, at all angles before you purchase things like these. No, but my father-in-law got the Gen 3 Raptor. He loves it. I've always liked growing up, you know, I was a, I was a little bit of a gamer. I always played Gran Turismo and um, you know, Gran Turismo 1, 2, and 3 and all of them. I play, I used to play them all the time. So whenever I wasn't playing basketball, I was playing Gran Turismo. And, you know, I told myself one day, you know, when, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm ready, I'm, I'm going to get, you know, a Skyline RP3 GTR V-Spec and an R35 GTR, which, which I was able to do. And I'm very fortunate to drive them. You know, they, I love them. I drive them, you know, whenever it's a great day. I'll, I'll drive them before my workouts. And go to my workout after my workout, I'll drive home and you know, I can't complain. And I got a baby on the way in a couple of weeks. So that's why I've been, you know, laying low a little bit. And, you know, right now I'm, I might have to, I might have to postpone the cars for a little bit now. <laughs> Life changes. So breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, Costa has a child on the way. Congratulations, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Uh, male or female? Or are you waiting to, to figure it out? Uh, no, I'm, not, I'm not into the, uh, the gender reveal stuff it's a it's a boy so i'm very i'm excited as long as healthy and happy uh but you know it's a boy so i'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it to fatherhood it's definitely going to be a grind you can watch all the youtube videos and try to do whatever you can to prepare yourself but nothing's gonna prepare yourself until you actually go through with it so well congratulations and 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 back to that car hobby a little bit you know you you made good money in your career and you're a car guy you wanted those gtrs when you see a new car, I'm into Teslas and stuff like that. I, I have a Tesla myself. I love it. But when you see a new car that really spikes your interest, are you like, oh my God, I got to get that car? Or is your wife like, Costa, enough. You, get, you already got your two GTRs. No, my wife is really cool about that. Um, I, have a, I have a 996 Turbo manual as well, Porsche. And it's a, it's a classic, but it's manual. Uh, but she's really cool about it. She she knows that you know we invest our invested our, our money right, so we can do what we want to do at the right at, for the right reasons. Um, but you know she knows I'm a car guy, and she knows that you know we have everything lined up and checked. So she she's very she says if you want it, you know you can get it. Do what you want to do. Like, and I'm very lucky in that aspect. And um, you know, granted, you know these cars aren't you know like Ferraris or Lamborghinis or anything like that. You know they're easy to maintain. They're very fast. Um, and, uh, you know, that's what I like, you know, and I can fit in them, which is great. So I can't fit anything else. So, 
<laughs> That's funny. And I want to get your opinion on Teslas. I know people people don't like the electric. People don't like other things about them. They like the regular gas combustion car. I want to get your thoughts. Look, so we're going through a phase now where most cars are going to start becoming a hybrid and then the hybrid is going to transform to electric. It's going to happen. It's just what it is. It's what the times are, are showing. And like for me, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of, you know, gas powered engine manual because they're going to do away with those. And uh, I like to hear the motor. Obviously, electric cars are more efficient. You know, my GTR is tuned. So I've, I've V-boxed it to two and a half seconds, zero to 60, obviously. But you know, you get the oil temp right and the transmission warmed up. You got to do all that. Whereas when you plaid, you can do 1.9 seconds and just right out the gate with a full charge or whatever it is. And it just boggles my mind how fast these cars are going. So there's going to have to be, you know, a, a gray area now too, where you have to update tire technology because tire technology is not going to be able to keep up with the speed of these cars, which is nuts to think about. Never, I, I guarantee people 20 years ago didn't think these electric cars First of all, we're going to happen. Second of all, we're going to be zero to 60 under two seconds. You could take a Tesla plaid and go to under 10 seconds, the drag strip all day consistently, which is nuts to think about. I mean, what, 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 what Tesla do you have? The model three? I got the, the base model three and Cosa. That thing could still move. It's crazy. It's crazy. Still move. Still move. You could probably, you could probably, I mean, you'll destroy my, my old GTR all day. And it's, it's nuts to think about. And that's the base model. Like, <laughs> And another crazy thing about the plant is it's like $165,000 and it could blow out million dollar cars, high $800,000 cars. It's, it's really absurd. Yeah. You have companies like Rimac and all of them. They have, what's the, what's the hyper car that they had of like 2 million that it almost kept up with it. Uh, the Bugatti, not the Bugatti. It was all electric, another electric car. Uh, I can't think of the name of the top of my head. It was a two door and uh, they erased it. I think it was a car. Wow. And um, it, it kept up with it. I was, it was, I was, I was impressed for a four-door sedan to do that. Just think what the Tesla Roadster is going to do. It almost becomes to a point where owning a Plaid, owning a Roadster is just, is just too dangerous. It's too fun to go that fast and to get that acceleration that my Tesla with the 0 to 60 going about 3.8 is still fast and enough for me. Very, very for me. fast. Oh, and, I mean, I, mean I'm, I was definitely looking at a cyber truck in the future, but it's... Who knows? I'm going to wait for technology to improve and see what happens. But now these cars are going 500 mile ranges with, with the electric battery, which is nuts to think about. I, so I'm leasing mine right now. But the only reason why I'm leasing is because that technology and the battery just isn't there yet for me to really own it. You know what I mean? I need another couple years, get over that 500 range hump. And that's when I'll look to buy. And, and back to some modern NBA stuff. You got a bunch of former teammates still on the league and on some powerhouse teams. Paul Millsap in Brooklyn, Carmelo Anthony on the Lakers, JaVale McGee in Phoenix, Evan Fournier in New York, and Mike Conley in Utah. Oh, excuse me. And also Andre Iguodala in Golden State. I guess I'll just say, who's, who's your finals pick? Because really, you know, all, the, all those guys are on contending teams. Healthy. Ah, gosh, it's tough to say. I'm curious to see how the Lakers are going to do with Russell Westbrook and those guys. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see that. I think DeAndre Jordan is going to do phenomenal LeBron on the court. Um, I think DeAndre thrives in a guy that at the ball dominant can throw lobs and do all that. Um, and DeAndre has had a hell of a career as well himself. Um, I, I'm, you know, the safe pick was going to put, if healthy is Brooklyn Lakers, that's a safe pick. If all healthy, I'm sure a lot of people would agree. But comments to be like, this guy can't shoot a three. He doesn't know anything. And they'll be like, all right, come to Canton, Ohio. Let's play one-on-one. And, then... <laughs> and, 
And NBA social media coaster. You know how it is. It's craziness. Yeah, it's what it is. And and if they were to match up, Lakers and Nets, both healthy, who you got? Oh man, I never bet against LeBron, especially in the finals. But something about Kevin Durant is just he he's in my opinion he's the he's the most skilled player in the world, and I just think Brooklyn is gonna could could win in Game Six. Don't bet on it. Nobody take a bet. I don't need any threats. <laughs> he doesn't need any more smack talk on the internet. Costa, who's your favorite player to watch right now? Kevin Durant. You know he you know he's taller. Um, he can do whatever he wants on the court. Um, it, it, you put a hand up, it's still gonna go in. Uh, for somebody, for somebody, you know, he's always obviously went through some injuries, but for him to come back from those injuries and still, you know, be able to perform at an elite level and it's doing what he's doing still, that's unreal. I, I have never seen anything like that before. Obviously, you got guys like Dirk Nowitzki and Przingis and taller guys too that can shoot and are skilled, but I think Durant's on a different level. And lastly, Costa, how are those courts doing at Glen Oak High School that bear your name? doing great um i actually drove by him like two days ago and a whole bunch of kids were just playing up and down and uh you know it's a great feeling you know i've always wanted to do something like that give a safe location by my high school where everybody can come in and play 505 there's two two big pool courts there and they're always being utilized and whenever i see a net rip down or whatever i'll go in and replace them and make sure the, the court's clean you know they've, they've they've kept them pretty pretty clean so i was de definitely been really happy with that and I get messages all the time, you know, just saying, you know, hey, thank you for for building this for us, and it's been it's been great. Thank you, and it, it means it means the world to me. So, definitely very fortunate. <laughs> well, Costa, those kids, that community, they appreciate you as much as I appreciate you. Thank you for always being a stand-up guy, engaged in NBA Buzz's content, and always being willing to hop here on Inside Buzz. So, thanks for coming on for episode 31. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you having me. And uh, look forward to the next episode as well. And keep doing your thing. I'm proud of what you've accomplished. And more to come your way. I appreciate it. And also, Costa, congratulations on your kid. I'm looking really forward to seeing the Instagram announcement. So happy and healthy. <laughs> happy and healthy. Appreciate it, buddy.